Hola, que pasa? <laughs> hey, what's up, guys? It's Pizza Mine. <laughs> it's Bryce here. We're just having some fun at the studio. We got two exchanges. I'm really excited because one of my favorite exchanges that I actually use a lot every day, IDEX, is IDEX. on the show. I-D-E-X. The president of what was formerly known as Aurora DAO, the most confusing branded thing in crypto, has since <laughs> rebranded to IDEX. So we now all know what a genius uh, Alex Warren and his uh, company are. Yeah, this is a really cool uh, and actually super, super necessary uh, platform in our space. It connects to your MetaMask. And so what? And so your MetaMask is your wallet. Your it holds your private keys. Also for your, your ledger, your trust yep. wallet, yep. everything. Yep, exactly. It connects to your software wallets, your hardware wallets, and you could trade and still own your own private keys. Super, super important. So we're going to be talking to him today, and also Nextchange. What's Nextchange? Nextchange. First off, Nextchange's got a beautiful app. Highly advise you guys to go download it. But it's a venture innovation and media platform. It specializes in fintech and blockchain and AI. So Nextchange is doing a lot of really interesting stuff, and you guys are going to be learning about them with Matthew Aaron, part of our hybrid series, and a special guest. Michael Nye is here. Formerly known as Shill Nye the Science Guy. No, just kidding. Shill Nye. Okay, let's jump in. Alex Wern, CEO, co-founder, IDEX. Welcome to the Crypto 101 Evolvement Podcast. Collaboration with Matthew Aaron, myself, and Mr. Michael Schill. Nizzin, nizzin, nigh. That's me. What's going on, guys? What up, dude? Alex, what's going on, man? How are you? Hey, what's up, guys? Thanks for having me. For people that don't know, who are you and what is IDEX? IDEX is the number one decentralized exchange. We're the largest in terms of users, volume, transaction count, pretty much any measure you can think of. But we like to kind of clarify the decentralized part and really refer to it as a hybrid decentralized exchange. And it really has to do with kind of what parts of the application are you decentralizing and how are you approaching it? The first version of DEXs, they were pretty much fully on the blockchain, which meant it was more decentralized, but you had a lot of problems basically because blockchains are slow and expensive. So if every action you're doing on an exchange, you have to pay to the network and wait for the network to confirm it, uh, it's not going to be a great UX. So over time, we've seen projects bring more and more of the application off chain. And we have a kind of a particular perspective on that with our hybrid approach where you have a centralized exchange that you do all of your actions in and a decentralized fund custody. So we never hold any funds, but everything that you do on IDEX happens in real time. So we think it's kind of the best of both worlds of centralized and decentralized. Centralized exchange is the one everybody's probably most familiar with coinbase binance the key part about decentralization is around what happens to the funds so when you deposit on one of those platforms it goes into a wallet that they control all of the trading that you do it's within their own system nothing's happening on the blockchain mm -hmm. and then when you go to withdraw you essentially request your funds back from the exchange and they right. send them to you on the network and who controls your keys there so during the process of trading, they're in charge of it, right? And you hear, not your keys, not your Bitcoin, right? That was a, mm -hmm. a refrain that a lot of people in the industry were saying. Just And the, the emphasis being that they control the crypto if they get hacked, if someone comes to them and, and says for whatever reason that they can't service you or to take your crypto, there's really nothing you can do about it. All right, hybrid. So as you just said. Yeah, so maybe actually I'll do decentralized first because okay, I think cool. it sets up hybrid well. So decentralized exchange, it, it, there's, and this is where I think there's a bit of a confusion in the space because people use that term a little bit loosely 
as did we when we launched, admittedly. And I think decentralization, there's different pieces of what's called the software stack that you can decentralize. So what most people are referring to is fund custody. So mm -hmm. really flipping that centralized model where instead of giving your cryptocurrency to someone else, you're in control of it the entire time. Everything you do is, is requires authorization from your private key. So mm -hmm. that's really kind of taking back control. And then there's other components of the exchange. So for example, the order book. And the question is, where does that order book live? So so to speak, right? And, and in a fully decentralized exchange, it actually lives on a blockchain. Mm -hmm. Meaning when you create an order, you then have to send it to a blockchain network. That network then mines that transaction and then places it for others to view, but by connecting to the blockchain. Right. The big challenge with that is every action requires using the network. So it's expensive. You're paying, in the case of Ethereum, you're paying gas, and then you have to wait. So you can imagine for market makers, if they're trying to cancel and update orders pretty quickly, a decentralized model is not going to be very well suited to them because you're paying a cost every time and you got to wait. So it's just not a great trading experience. So we've come up with the hybrid model, which is really about that balance, right? What do you do off chain? What do you do on chain to try to take advantage of what we think is the real selling point of decentralized exchanges, the custody piece, while insulating users from the other elements, the other headaches that can come from decentralization. And that's where I mentioned we've got the order books, the balances, really the whole exchange component is off chain. You can almost think of it as a centralized exchange with decentralized fund custody. Mm. So when you deposit, instead of depositing into a wallet we control, it goes into a smart contract. And then everything you do off chain in our centralized infrastructure, create an order, for example, is accompanied by a signature so that we can send that to the network for settlement. So you can think of the smart contract as managing the funds while the exchange manages everything else around the UX of trading balances, order books, trade execution, et cetera. You know, the DEX is like the holy grail of exchanging and buying and selling crypto. Everybody wants to control their keys, never have it leave their custody. It is also anonymous. What's the future of exchanges? If you have KYC AML, is that almost like off the point? Does it defeat the purpose of a DEX? I, I don't think so, but we definitely have people debate us and say it does, right? So again, back to my earlier comment of like, what is the real consumer like pain point of a centralized exchange? Most of them they might not like KYC, but I think that is in some ways the reality of, of the financial system in which we live. We'd love to see that evolve over time. You know, it's a tool for law enforcement to help catch criminals. Mm -hmm. We think there are better tools than financial surveillance, right. but it's the reality of the world we live in, right? And, and certainly any exchange that interfaces with the traditional banking system has gone through that growing pain, right? They start out with this, hey, we're different. It's crypto. It's this new revolution, this new different thing. And then as they grow, these other pressures start to, to press on them. If you ask people like what sucks about trading on a centralized exchange, pretty much not much, right? Like the UX is great. <laughs> like, let's be honest, right? The UX is great. Liquidity is great. They got customer right. service. Right. The thing that sucks is I leave my funds there and they might right. be lost, right? Yep. So that's really the big pain point of the centralized exchanges. So, and now to your point of this open permissionless, you know, no identifying information required, like we believe in that future. Right. Like, the question is, how do you get there? And the first product we built had that ethos in mind, mm -hmm. but it wasn't a good product and nobody wanted to use it right? Because it was slow. It was costly. It was hard to get liquidity because of all these like kind of drawbacks. So the reality is the technology is just not there to create the product 
that will both attract users and have those properties. So we're kind of taking a different approach, right? We're looking at what is the environment now? How can we build a product that we think will get all of those users, keep the self-custody element? And I think self-custody is interesting because we look at this as not just you and I being able to custody, but it's really about integration of all custody solutions. So you and I will be able to trade against larger custodians who are trading on behalf of their customers. Mm-hmm. It's re- That's really how we see you kind of pooling liquidity is whatever your method of custody, you can be in control of that process from end to end, but you can plug into this open network of a smart contract for escrow and settlement and trade with anyone else. So you get to choose your method, but the reality is that because we have a role in operating it, there are some regulatory things that we need to abide by. The question is, what does the future look like? Will the technology advance to the point where you actually can turn this into a fully decentralized network in the sense that we're actually not operating any of these pieces and you can actually incentivize people to do those other functions so support could be incentivized through a token economic system right the system could pay out for those to do those other jobs and all that other work that's required to make it run so what about listing fees man do you have listing fees how much are they so when we originally launched we didn't have any sort of listing fee what we found though was that we do have some costs in terms of talking to projects either bringing them into the funnel and then now we have to do audits of every project that comes to us we do have a super small fee it's a few thousand dollars simply to cover those costs I think something that's different, and correct me if I'm wrong about IDEX, is the fact that you can't necessarily pull an exit scam because everybody owns their own coins. I mean, yeah. You can't have a situation like some of the other exchanges out there right now that we see that are forced to shut down and people are losing their money or the, the founder exits or leaves or dies or something and people lose their money because it's locked on an exchange that they actually don't own the keys to. That's kind of what makes IDEX unique. Am, am I correct about that? That's absolutely right. And, and we were talking earlier about, you know, is there a point to decentralization if it's not open, permissionless? And if you have KYC, for example, and this is exactly that point. We Something happens to us. Something happens to our site, our company, right? You don't have to worry about your funds. They're always yours. You can always go directly to the Ethereum network. So unless the Ethereum network dies, in which case, you know, good luck getting any value out of your coins anywhere. Um, unless the Ethereum network dies, you can always get your assets back, uh, which is just a pretty cool concept. And I think that's mm-hmm. you know, very much in line with the crypto ethos. You know, I think one of the things talking about decentralization is I don't necessarily think decentralization is an end goal. I think it's an interesting tool to help alleviate some of the negative effects of centralization. Mm -hmm. Right. So we talk about people talk about like data sovereignty, like how can you use decentralization to take back control of your data? You know, Facebook and Google have been making billions of dollars off monetizing it. People are now trying to think about, you know, how can you give that control back to the user? This is similarly around exchanges, you know, control of the assets. How can you allow people to trade with one another while still giving them ultimate control? And that may be an end user directly. It may be an entity on behalf of many users, right? We don't think that everyone's going to want to manage their own crypto, right? The the, the be your own bank slogan is great if you trust yourself more than a bank. And I think there's a lot of people (laughs) that if they admit it, don't don't trust themselves more than a bank, right? right? So that's a lot of it as well is giving choice. You know, if you want to be the individual going direct, great, we can have you. If you want to trust a third party who manages manages it on your behalf, they can trade with them as well. So it's really about that open approach to custody, which we see winning out long term. Now, do you trust yourself more than a bank? Uh, depends on the day. 
<laughs> that's, that's true, man. That's on the day. That is that is one hundred percent true. And it's not that I actually trust myself more than the bank. I don't think that's it. I trust the systems and the institutions in place that the bank has wrapped up in it, like the FDIC insurance, the you know you know backed by you know the U.S. government you know support and what have you. Like that's what I trust more than the bank itself. Yeah, that, that, and that's a great point. And I think you're seeing those sort of systems being built in crypto, right? Like we were talking with other companies, they're doing an insurance process on your transactions, and it's like you pay a small fee to be a part of this and then your transactions are insured like up to a certain amount and they're basically just like look we can see like how many of these are actually you know keys are getting stolen we can calculate the risk and if you want to participate in this pooled risk uh you know kind of uh, this insurance plan we think we can make a business out of it so it's interesting to see these same products being reinvented in a more open kind of transparent manner i think that's uh that's a lot of what gets me excited so i just want to go and ask this one more time to be very clear with these exchanges, we are surprised all the time by how hacks and things are happening. You know, a founder dies, private keys are lost, APIs, you know, somehow take, take funds. You do a huge social hacking experiment and people get socially hacked and what have you. And even with the Binance case, you know, if it wasn't for their safe fund, I mean, they would have problems because, you know, they're just luckily smart enough to plan for that and actually care about their customers. And CZ is one of those guys that's willing to take the brunt of anything that's getting thrown at him as he was doing AMAs like five yeah, minutes right. after, which on was thir- on 30 hours of staying awake or something. I know. It was, I mean, like it was, kudos it was, to CZ. I know. That kudos to that. I mean, he was, I mean, he's not, he wasn't afraid of any question. He was like, I'm going to answer this. This is what it is. And I'll do more, you know, whatever. Is there any way people could take that can get funds stolen from your account besides them getting personally hacked? No. So the, you know, the risk, there's always the risk in blockchain that there's an error in the smart. What's the easiest choice you can make window instead of middle seat. Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket. Outsourcing business tasks you hate. What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.
smart contract, right? So, mm, you know, people ask me like, true. how do I know the smart contract's perfect? And you're like, how do you know Bitcoin's perfect, right? Like time mm-hmm. is one of the things, right? right. You can have people, you have people, of course you have people audit it, right? You right. have people pour it over, people take a look at it, but like this whole stuff is, is new, right? right? So Zcash had a vulnerability, you know, reported recently. They Bitcoin had one too. That Bitcoin had that. one that like, luckily they patched without people knowing, but like, right. you know, this stuff is new. It's still experimental. You know, it's, it, some days I, there, there was a big kind of, I don't know, just a big uh, kind of kerfuffle when Vlad, a couple of years ago, Vlad Zemfir, he made a tweet about Ethereum, like Ethereum is not ready for billions of dollars of value on it. Like it's still experimental tech. And like, I think in some ways that's, that's correct. You know, there's the, the, the space is unique because it allowed for this funding model of ICOs that got a lot of tension, got a lot of capital into the space, but in many ways, the tech is still very much in its infancy. So I think it's really interesting to see kind of that tension of a tech that's not yet ready for mainstream, but has a spotlight on it. So, you know, we're doing our best to, to build the best products with what we've got. Right I love it, brother. Thank you so much for coming on, man. How can people find you? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter, Alex Wern, W-E-A-R-N. IDEX.io is the website, so come check out our trading platform. We got links to Twitter and Discord in the footer if you want to come join our community. All right, brother. Thanks, fellas. Good to be here. Yo, yo, we are here with Juwan Lee and Mr. Michael Chill, Nai. How are you guys doing today? Wonderful. Wonderful. It's so great to be here, first of all. My company is NextChange Group, and we do three things in NextChange Group. We have a media company, we have a digital investment bank, and we have a digital asset management. So the media really is about large-scale events. We run Hong Kong Blockchain Week. We used to run Hong Kong FinTech Week. Uh, And we have content, we have a social network, and all of those things drive all the flow, the deals, the community, and then we're able to market, invest, and give access to various different interesting products. And that funnel goes right into the two monetization points, which is a asset management arm where we're venture building, we're investing, and we are actually investing in investors. We have a digital investment bank where we're raising capital and doing M&A. So all of these things are what I call monetization points. But what it does allows us to see is the full ecosystem, not just one piece. We really understand what the investors are looking for, even what the investors of digital funds are looking for, the whole ecosystem from A to Z. Right now, top of my mind, everybody, the greater Bay Area. The Greater Bay Area is the largest innovation hub in the world. China is making sure that Hong Kong connects with Shenzhen, connects with Guangzhou, Mm -hmm. all through high-speed rail. Yep. And it will be 69 million people. Why is that important to me? Because I live in Hong Kong. I can go to Shenzhen in 15 minutes. That's amazing. I lived in China for 13 years it moves so much capital, so much resources around at the speed that you need. Yes. So you know that when you build a bridge, you create connectivity. Well, high-speed rail will make all of this become an amazing innovation hub. But more amazing is the concentration between Shenzhen and Hong Kong. Mm. There is a border, and that border at 2024 is going to be a visa-free zone 
You can walk about, wow. do whatever you want, mm. and we are focused on a project. What we're doing is providing the actual execution, and what we have is partners mm. on the ground in China, allowing for onboarding, soft landing, investment, mm -hmm. and also physical space and the reciprocating thing in Hong Kong. So we are going to bring companies from outside the world through trusted hands to China. How about that? Is That's that important. something to be excited about? That's something very important. Very exciting. <laughs> what I really want to know from your perspective is how do you think China is going to play a role with all of this blockchain crypto stuff? You know, we've seen the bans and all the fear that people have kind of instilled around China, but it's evolved recently. What's your opinion on all of that? Well, first of all, let me just say that the outlet for gambling in China was Macau. So the outlet for crypto and blockchain became Hong Kong. There is actually a great uh, position that Hong Kong is, mm -hmm. is that whatever ban that took place in China, well, the beneficiary was Hong Kong. Now right. what we need to do is figure out how to play in that playground. There's definitely rules around this. And so I believe that China will have a very steady hand about what they do, but Hong Kong is now dealing with the unintended consequences. Some of it is very positive. Do you think there's more projects being built within China that are going to be successful, or do you think it's going to be outside projects that come, learn to integrate with the culture, learn to integrate the technology into these structures over in China, and they're going to be successful? Oh, absolutely. Just because a banned crypto doesn't mean anything about the actual development of blockchain. If you right. actually look on GitHub, you know, Shanghai, Beijing is top four or five in the world right. in terms of development. Right. So that doesn't change at all. China is pro-blockchain. It's just not pro-crypto. What misconceptions does the Western market have on what's going on in tech in China in general? I alluded to it earlier. There is tremendous amount of development that's taking place in blockchain. And this is the biggest misconception. There were meetups every day right. mm. during the ICO ban. Mm -hmm. And people were raising money everywhere. Right. Mm. So there is what China says you can't do. And each time they got more strict. Right. But it was happening anyway because you can't stop innovation. So when we were in Thailand for tokenomics, you yeah. said and we were at dinner and you were yeah. sitting right next to each other and yeah. you said something to me that stuck with me that adoption is extremely, extremely hard to achieve, but once it is achieved, it's extremely, extremely hard to undo or erase or move away from. Absolutely. What do you think it's going to look like adoption wise? Are you predicting adoption or whatever you want to call it? Does it look like a payment method? Does it look like gaming? Does it look like voting? What adoption centers are you inspired by for crypto? Adoption happens with very little marketing. Mm -hmm. Adoption is effortless. Adoption comes naturally. You were talking about earlier a little bit between being a leader and really focused about adoption, but you're also making investments or leading investors into projects, which has kind of a different mentality than, than just focus and aiding adoption. How do you separate the two and how do you determine when it's important to be an investor and maybe get return on your capital and being someone who focuses heavily on leading adoption? Good question. There are different stages. Generally, our company gets involved after adoption for investments. Okay. Because we're investing capital that's not our own. In terms of helping adoption, well, that's just our, you know, blood, sweat, and tears. Uh, and our team working on getting projects that we're passionate about. And 
they're not mutually exclusive. So we could have something that we're working on to help to get adoption that we eventually invest in. Mm -hmm. So we actually want to be the whole ecosystem as a service where we do all of it eventually. But it's the stage in which we do it. We don't generally get involved as an investment early on. Because as we know, the numbers are against you. Mm -hmm. Yeah? But it doesn't mean we can't be highly enthusiastic so that we get to the investment point. And at what degree do you enter in when you say, quote, unquote, after adoption? Is this like kind of after the first wave, maybe once it's been validated? Is this after the second or third wave when there's X amount of users on board? Like what to you signals adoption? Adoption is really uh, not an exact number for each product because uh, every product has a different set of rules of adoption and addressable market. Uh, But we generally get in where we start to see, I would say, stage one in terms of that it was that organic level of adoption where we are starting to see month over month numbers that they're not just one or two months, but like three, four, five months, they keep on doubling, tripling. These numbers that were seemingly not within the projections that we had then it becomes very interesting, I would say. Mm. So it's more about growth rate than exact like Yeah, it's about numbers. Delta. Right. It's okay. time and change. Because at some point, you got to pull the trigger faster than the other people when they realize what you got on. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's so unique, right? Because you have multiple different subsets just within China. You oh, know, yes. You, and, and then you, there's no one China. Exactly. And there's no one strategy for China. And there's no one Asia either. You yes. Know, I go, you go from Hong Kong to Shenzhen to Japan to Singapore to Thailand, and you're yeah. dealing with all of these different cultures, all of these different experiences, and all these different ways and languages that you have to communicate with people in order to get your message across or what you want to build. Yes. And they don't always like even each other. <laughs> That's <laughs> so true. Just remember that. And you've got to be sensitive to all those historical cues. I love it. Well, thank you, brother, for coming on. You got any other questions, Matt? No, I'm, I'm good. I just want everybody to make sure that they know how to find you if they want to look up your company or yourself. Well, you know, we are on nextchange.com. That's nexchange.com. Yes. Juwan, if, if anybody sees Juwan at a conference, go up to him, give him a big hug, shake his hand. This guy's <laughs> not only extremely intelligent and, and great at what he does, but he's one of the funnest guys. And he doesn't mind that. unsolicited hugs, apparently. Yeah, yes, apparently I not. am into unsolicited hugs. <laughs> <laughs> Just don't tackle me. <laughs> All right. Thank you, brother, for coming on. Thank you for having me. Thank you, bro. All right. Well, that does it for our episode today. I hope you guys understood the importance of decentralized exchanges. To me, that's my biggest takeaway. And that's what I want you guys to take away. Wait, with wait, you. wait, wait, wait. Hold on. You mean I can't just leave my tokens on Binance? No, man. Why? Well, if Binance goes down or if any of these centralized exchanges go down, your coins are gone. If you don't own oh your God. keys, if you don't like, you know, don't own your keys, don't own your coins, right? So I really should use something like IDEX or another DEX. You always should. That's hmm. that's definitely my opinion. Interesting. You know, I like the ease and the use of like the user experience of these centralized exchanges, but even Binance, right? They're launching a DEX of their own, the BNB DEX. And it's the same concept where they understand it's like, you know, we're going to have a non-custodial exchange. It's not fully decentralized, but, you know, they have their own special matching algorithms and all that kind of stuff for their order books. But 
more or less, it's going to be uh, it's going to be all about the decentralized exchanges. I really wonder if OX protocol is going to be zero X. Yeah, if zero X is really going to be the thing that allows the Dex environment to take over crypto trading yeah. as it needs to be. The zero X protocol, the Kyber network protocol. Yeah, whatever it may be, like who's going to be the champion that puts everyone else out of business and finally allows a Dex to be a major top ten exchange with proper liquidity. Yeah, that's really what the crypto space needs. It's true. I want to say it's going to be IDEX because I really like Alex and I like that platform, but I think it's going to be BNB. I think so too. Those guys are liquidity monsters. They are. They got their hooks in to every market maker, to every OTC firm. I kind of have a feeling it's going to be BNB, but you know, it's too soon to call. It's too soon to call. I think there's plenty of room for, you know, Uniswap and Switchio is another big one that's coming up. Mm. So there, there's so many of them. It's great for this ecosystem. So I encourage you guys to go out and to experiment with these decentralized exchanges, jack into them and uh, yeah. never, ever enter your private keys. Yes. You're probably at a scam copy. Yes. Do not enter your private keys manually. Please use MetaMask or Trust Wallet or your ledger. You never enter your private keys uh, through your keyboard. It's a bad, bad practice. So that's all we have for you. Time to wrap it up. We will see you guys next time. I'm Bryce. And this is Pizza. We're out of here. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.